1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of In Game Live, right here on sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Jared Smith. And what we do is try to put the fun and functional sports content and get you paid as well. Jared, coming off Memorial Day weekend, hmm. it's like the unofficial start of summer. And if you ask yeah. me, it is the unofficial start of, like, really figuring out how, where when, why, all the details about professional sports returning in America. We've started to see some individual things, right? UFC is on and popping. And quite frankly, we're past the quarantine window of those 249 fights. Two weeks have already passed. So they kind of have put on an event and there was no big outbreak that happened. We've also seen golf in the charity kind of sense. We had the match last week. So those are individual sports that are, you know, trying to test the waters and see what it could look like. And I got to believe team sports are on the horizon. We are seeing what it could look like in a lot of different sports. The NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL even came out. We're getting details from MLS as well. You know, you mentioned last week, women's soccer in this country may be first to go. But, you know, Jared, one of the biggest things I've always said is it is a collaborative effort. So for me, one of the biggest pieces of news that we heard this week was literally from the federal government, okay? The Department of Homeland Security, all right, has now said that if you're an athlete, you can come on back into America. Remember that was an issue with Khabib being stuck in Russia. When I think about certain sports, you know, the NHL, comes to mind with the amount of players from Russia or Europe that would have to come in. This to me is a big hurdle being cleared here, right, Jared? I mean, this idea, they're not going to have to wait. They can come in. If you are an athlete, you don't have that waiting period. I think that's another huge hurdle cleared for a return to team sports here in America.
4: Yeah, I got the numbers uh, for action from Gary Bettman. I was watching CNBC uh, and it's funny. I get some of my best information from like, post market close CNBC interviews yeah. when they get these owners and these uh, commissioners that come on uh and Gary Bettman came on CNBC I believe it was Wednesday and he actually said and this number surprised me actually in in a good way it surprised me only 17% of NHL players currently overseas mm-hmm. uh that's pretty good that's not a big number if you think about how many foreign players there are and I think he actually was including Canada in that because he meant you know outside Canada of Canada as foreign he, Yeah, outside of the country that would have to come back into the country. He said 17% players currently located outside the country, 44% currently located in the markets where they're playing. That's almost half the players are already in their own home market. So that, I think, is a good thing for hockey. Obviously, it has no bearing on the UFC or any of those other sports. But that Homeland Security initiative is going to open the door for tennis, golf, all of these international sports to get the athletes back on American soil. It's a huge step. And everything we've heard in the last week or two has been positive, with the exception of Major League Baseball. Everything we've heard has been positive. There's been good steps moving in every sport. Team sports are back. EPL, we heard about that this week. Yeah. June seventeenth, Bundesliga is back already. Yeah. I'm already betting on Costa Rican Primera División games uh, on random nights. Wait, so wait, 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 week, wait, wait. hold
1: on, Jared. Of- are you kicking the KBO by the wayside like you? No, I'm it getting KBO while, every night. I and KBO now that like lot of night. girls are coming along, you're K- done with the KBO.
4: It's like that meme where you look back and the girls. Okay. Are, um, I KBOs every night. I've been betting KBO. I'm not betting a lot on the KBO. I'm sprinkling. You know, I'm doing my max juice all total. snacking? Yeah, I'm snacking on the KBO. I'm having fun. I'm having fun right now. Sports are back. And anyone who thought otherwise is wrong because they're coming back. And we're not in this bizarro world where it's just going to turn into a, you know, a vast wasteland of nothing. We're going to get sports back. Hockey's back. I think hoops is going to come back. And you're crazy if you thought the NFL was going to miss
1: their season because of this. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you mentioned positive news. And then you said... For the most part oh. you know right now oh. when we look at these different sports right and their kind of uh, process to return to play what i find interesting and we'll probably get into it a little bit later on is when you see the initial news for all these sports okay like even the nhl came out Bettman was out there 2014 playoff yay but then in that story kevin there's a paragraph being there's still a lot of details to be figured out and agreed upon by the union. I saw something with the MLS, you know, they're going to come back and they're thinking about doing a world cup style group stage round Robin followed by a knockout. Right. And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm an NYCFC fan. Mm. And then I read a paragraph at the bottom and it says, but of course, There's still plenty of details to be worked out by the union. You talk about the NBA. We're going to go through a number of different proposals that I hear from the NBA, everything from them thinking about the soccer world and the group stage to the reseeding of one through 16 to the idea of letting some of the other teams that just missed the cut into it. There's still a lot of options, right? But I think baseball is definitely the sport that's catching the most heat. Right? Because what we have now, it seems like a good old labor negotiation, right? And it's like the haves and the have nots, the millionaires versus the billionaires, which obviously creates a bad look publicly, right? Everyone wants to be in that kind of tone and wants to be in that space of, yay, baseball is coming back. You know, we talked about it in previous weeks, Jared, the idea of, oh, July 4th, our nation's birthday, spread out the flag, have the bombers flying overhead. Oh, how great that would be, okay? But if you backwards plan from that, they're gonna need a spring training time, right? And so for these eyes to be dotted, these T's to be crossed, it seems like the clock is ticking. And I know, for example, Max Scherzer came out recently and was like, this new proposal, I think it's designed to drive a wedge between the players, and I ain't gonna let it happen. Solidarity, even though he would be one of those big money guys taking a much bigger haircut than some of the rest. That's an
4: interesting way of putting it. I actually haven't thought of it in that way um, where Max is trying to bring the players together more so than divide them because I'm still really searching for the silver lining in all of this. I'm searching for the silver lining in what's happening inside each team negotiating room. I'm trying to really grasp for straws. Because I, I, for the most part, I'm a pretty positive person. But this situation has kind of put me on tilt a little bit. Because everything else, like I said, is positive. And I know that there's going to be issues. There's going to be issues with everything that we deal with. I mean, every, even the simplest of things, there's obstacles to overcome. So I don't doubt that there are going to be issues with situations going forward. But it's been much more proactive and positive from all the other sports. Whereas baseball has been the one that's been the negative one. So, while I appreciate Max's sentiment, I don't know if what he did really is going to help the situation or not. I, I think it could alienate some players as well, because mm. I bet there are some players out there that are thinking, man, I would rather take 30% of my contract than nothing. And whereas so Max... Let me let me, be, let me stop
1: real quick. So, you're saying that Max may not represent the voice of all the players? I, we don't know. We don't know. I'm guessing no. Right. But... Unlike
4: other situations where we've heard the NBA union polled every player, we're never going to see those results.
1: Because we also, but, when we heard the NBA, it was like 75%, 25%. And I remember asking you, well, what if you're a player in that other 25%? You well, know, that's what I'm so, saying. What if you're a player who doesn't feel the way Max Scherzer does? What if
4: it's 50-50 right now yeah. and Max Scherzer's only speaking for the 50% that make the most money?
1: Fair, you know, I would throw back to you, what if LeBron James is speaking for only the 75% that want, but then again, what about the other 25%? Maybe there's somebody that lives with their mom who has a compromised immune system, and it's a completely valid concern, you know? I think the, the problem is when one voice Whether it's a player, whether it's an owner, whether it's a network, whether it's Mickey Mouse, right? The idea to be speaking for everybody in something that's collectively bargained. You know, we've heard Mark Cuban come out and say stuff. We don't know if that is like what we should run with. I think we are in this in-between stage kind of with all the sports in this negotiation where we don't exactly know what it's going to look like. You know, in weeks past, I remember telling you, Jared, you know, this idea of they took the prorated cut right, in baseball. And I remember telling you, I wouldn't be surprised if the players counter proposal had more than 82 games, right? I remember mentioning that to you as a way to potentially have them make it up. Your co-host on the morning after, Ariel, put that out there on social media. Rosenthal, I believe, had the inside scoop that yes, the players are now looking at potentially putting out a 100-game season. I but the owners like- are going to lose more money oh. doing that than the 80-game. That, see, that's the part that scares me the most
4: is at the end of the day, the owners are businessmen. and And they're not going to... They're they're not gonna lose more money than what they're already losing. Every and and that's the part I, I'm I'm just I'm I'm so torn on this one because my my initial reaction is always decide with the players. That's always your gut instinct. They're the ones that are putting their lives and their livelihoods at risk. But side of the players the home, what, that they should get their money or they yeah, should know that they deserve to get that okay. they deserve to get their money. But then okay. when you but then when I take a step back and I look at the situation as a whole, and I'm like, no one's getting their money right now. Everyone's hurting, everyone needs to, everyone's feeling the pain in some capacity. So if the players feel that they should be avoided from any pain because they were given a sweetheart deal three months ago when nobody really knew what the economic climate was gonna be, it's short-sighted on the player's part because you're really not seeing the full picture. And, and that's why I'm leaning to the owner's side on this. I'm not, okay. and I might be the only person on the planet that is somewhat, you know, sympathizing with the owner's situation here because it's they like sympathizing are- sympathizing with
1: landlords instead of renters.
4: Well, and that's the part that I think is a little bit difficult to grasp for, for me because you're right. My brain's like, well, wait a minute. These, these guys are billionaires and they're losing millions. You know, do you really feel bad for them? And then the part- about Max's comment, and we're gonna need like an entire show to
1: really break yeah, this down. But, but this the is the headline Max, right now, right? Before yeah. legal act, figuring out the hair, the how, where, why, when, the devil is in these details. So let's talk
4: about them. The part that Matt, the part about Max's comments that were so alarming, and I wanna, I, I don't wanna be, I don't wanna misquote him. So I'm gonna pull up the, I'm gonna pull up the quote. But <laughs> the part that really bothered me was when he said. I'm glad to hear other players voicing the same viewpoint and believe ML. Here's the point. MLB's economic strategy would completely change if all documentation were to become public information. He's basically accusing the owners of fraud. In the books. You know, and, and that is a very dangerous, slippery slope where now it's getting combative, where Max is not only saying, screw you, owners, we don't like this deal. He's saying that the MLB situation is is misleading and, and what is being, what we're being told is not the full picture. Well, that changes a lot. And that is a pretty hearty accusation. And that's something that we might never know the real answers to, but that right. that's, you're accusing the owners of fraud.
1: And you know, that is very interesting. You know, Jared, and we're gonna talk about it because each league is different. What we hear in public versus what's happening behind the curtain could be different. And we'll talk about them and how it affects all the leagues when we come back, it's In Game Live. Welcome back, everybody, to in-game live here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. Dane and Jared, and what we're trying to figure out is if there's going to be any baseball games to have an edge on. Jared, you know what I mean? And I think, you know, my point, and in some leagues, the details are the financial split. In some leagues, the details are, are we going to play the regular season or not? In some leagues, the details are, oh, how many of the non-playoff teams are we allowing into the tournament? You yes. know, in some leagues, the details are, oh, we're playing in two hub cities. Yeah, which cities? We don't know yet, right? So and and when those details become clearer and clearer, reasonable people may feel some kind of way about it, right? And so yeah. maybe that person is Blake Snell. For a reason on money, maybe that person is Damian Lillard. For a reason of what's in it for me, competitive championship legacy-wise, mm-hmm. um, maybe you know Alexander Ovechkin is chilling in Russia right now, and he's like, "Well, what's in it for me? You know, why do I want to go back? You know, so it's different for everybody. I understand that. We've talked about how, uh, for example, the NWSL has yeah. motivation." To get out there in front because they're a lower T league. But Major League Baseball is certainly out in front because I think the issue is something that the common man is pissed off about money right yeah. now, right? That can easily be painted as millionaires versus billionaires. Shut the hell up, figure it out, right? Where maybe in other leagues, the common man understands the differences at play if it's not money. We'll get into all of that. But in Major League Baseball, you know, where we have left off. Is this the idea, you know, Jared, that they agreed to something in March, right? Pro rated. And then now I think the biggest difference is the owners are like, whoa, but each game is not what we thought it would be, with stands not in the fans, with these uh, commitments we have to networks and what have you. So they're trying to get an extra haircut. And what did you think about this, Jared? The fact that the players at the top of the food chain were gonna get hit up worse, right? So if you're a $35 million player. You thought it was gonna be half the season, half the pay for like 17 or 18. But in fact, you're only making seven million with this proposal. The players at the top of the food chain are being asked to take a 75, 80% hit. Your players that are say 10 million dollars a year, it would stand to reason. You thought you were gonna play half the games, you're gonna make half the money. Five million dollars. From what I saw, players at that level are gonna wind up getting 2.9 roughly, right? So maybe a 66% hit to your salary, even if you're a $1 million player not 500,000 more like, I believe it's something like 460, 475,000. So the amount of extra pain you're taking on is a lot more, the more higher paid you are.
4: I agree. I mean, that's, that's the whole crux of this issue is the stars. And that's why it's going to be hard to find a reasonable solution because Mm. the stars of the league, unlike the NBA, it's, It's a different dynamic with the stars of Major League Baseball. The union is much stronger. So the stars of Major League Baseball get paid a lot more than the stars of the NBA. I know that sounds weird, but trust me, the Major League Baseball contracts are absurd. The NBA has a max contract. Exactly. Exactly. So the stars have a lot more to lose in Major League Baseball than the NBA. And I know that sounds crazy because some of these NBA contracts we've seen, and, and the gap is closing because the the NBA salary cap is continuing to go up. We'll see how the pandemic affects that in in future years. But a guy like Mike Trout's making 37 million dollars next year. Max Scherzer, I think, somewhere in that range as well. They're gonna hit. They're gonna hit. Get hit hard the most. Ten percent of a million is a lot more than ten percent of a thousand. I mean, you know that. So guys that are making hundred million are gonna hit feel a lot more pain than guys
1: making ten million. So we we need to find though, you know, Jared, we hear from Blake Snell, we hear from Max Scherzer, right? So is this a position that is truly a player's position or just a couple of random dudes that are responding on social media?
4: I think so. I think, I mean, and that's that's, that's the part that's scary about all of this is we are, as media people, all we can do is get the information that we're given. And make try to make reasonable conclusions from it. And in the gambling world, we take the information that we're given and we try to give you the best edge, the best value possible yeah. so you can make as much money as possible. This situation is lose-lose on both sides. We either side with the owners and we say the players are being a little bit too unrealistic about what's possible. Or we side with the players and the owners are being greedy pigs. Either way, we don't get baseball. You know, so... We're kind of in the damned if we do, damned if we don't. And and, and I'm okay with being on the fence about this. I'm leaning on the owner's side, but that's because I haven't seen what they're actually hiding if Max Scherzer's claims are true and that the owners actually do have a lot more slices of the pie that they are showing us. Everything we've heard has been, no, the owners, this is what we can give you, and the players either take it or leave it. And right now, obviously, leave it. Uh, is is the prevailing winds right. of the situation? Dan, it's June first. We don't even have the foundations of right. a deal. You talk about the devil in this in the details. We have no high level details. Forget about the minute things that are actually going to execute sure. whatever plan. We don't even have the highest level of fundamental details. How much money these guys are going to get paid? The clock is ticking, and this is really starting to look and feel. And you're at the age, and I'm kind of at the age where you remember 94 was, oh, was yeah. bad. The, the players said, screw you. We're not taking a salary cap. And they walked out and that was it. We didn't hear from them for six months. Yeah, And 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 it, it, I know it, the circumstances obviously are very different here, but it, the feelings are the same. Whereas the major league players now are kind of telling the owners, listen, th- what you told us isn't even worthy of a counteroffer. We right. are done. And that is
1: just, that's a really, really bad look. Yeah, it's definitely a bad look. bad. It's definitely a bad look, Jared. Here's what I would ask you. One of the things you mentioned, right, is that as handicappers and in the sports world, we try to know what we know and then extrapolate out, you know, figure out the best thing. But we have to acknowledge on some level, we don't have a complete picture of the information here. We don't. We just don't. Good point. We absolutely
4: don't. And now we have this little wild card that Scherzer threw in that there's this this, this unwritten thing that's being not told to to us that the players know that we don't. To be
1: quite honest, It's a cluster, to lack of a better word. The Blake Snell comment is also the same thing. A little piece that's a monkey wrench, right? Because what if, you know, Jared, the, the preponderance of players, though, in Major League Baseball, are probably closer to that $1 million or $3 million, right? So think about what they're actually being asked to do. A $1 million player who thought in an 81-game season that they were going to get half a million, they're really now getting, call it 450 475 430 whatever it exactly was. We're not hearing any of these players on Twitch or on a podcast being like, it ain't worth it for me, you know, we're just not hearing that. It's incomplete information, like like what the players union all together, we're hearing random one-off commentary. I don't know if that represents the player that's 24 years old making $900,000 a year. Maybe they're like, yep, all right, cool, I'll take that, let's go. You know, it's incomplete information, you know? And so I find it very interesting. If I had to put a gun to your head though, Jared, are we seeing Major League Baseball this year? Today, no. Maybe in a week, yes. These things can change very quickly. Yeah.
4: I don't want to jump to any conclusions. I had a friend uh, that tweeted me, "You're a Star Wars guy, right?" Uh, I I had a friend that tweeted me, like, "Oh, this is a hundred percent the owner's fault." And I'm like, "Only a Sith deals in absolutes." <laughs> so I'm not I'm not ready to to fully go on one side of the argument. And that's because of what you said. We we apparently we don't have all the information. Apparently, there's a big piece or a number floating out there that we're not privy to, and that would obviously change the equation. You know better than anyone, the numbers change the equation. So sure. if we're missing an X variable for the Y, Z part of the equation, right. well, we can't really give you an accurate you know, assessment of the situation. Yeah. Right now, what I'm looking at, the owners gave the players a deal in March that right. obviously was a financially disadvantageous deal for the owners right. because they were assuming they were going to be fans, fans in the stands. And the owners now are trying to change that. And the players are basically – and I think a lot of it, too, is seeded from previous mistrust. Whereas we're not hearing the same squabbling in other leagues because there isn't that fundamental distrust between union and ownership that exists in Major League Baseball. Whereas maybe the owners of the NBA and the owners of the NHL are kind of saying the same things to the unions – but the unions are receiving it very differently than the Major League Baseball Union because there hasn't been this previous, you know, I don't want to call it a gauntlet, but for lack sure. of a better word, a gauntlet of just agitation and obviously a ton of mistrust. Now I know there was an NHL lockout about 15 years ago, but since then, it has been a very strong situation with the labor talks in, in the National Hockey League and, and and the NBA. We've had some some squabbles, but nothing ever close to what we've seen in Major League Baseball. And let's be real. Major League Baseball, there's not even a compensation structure for these players. There is no cap at all. Every other sporting league has a salary cap and a format for how players, based on their tenure, get paid. That doesn't exist in Major League Baseball. So the arbitration process is sort of like that, but Mm -hmm. once you get to free agency, it's the Wild West. Whatever you're worth, people will pay. And, And that's the part that I think the average person might fail to grasp. The players have been getting a pretty sweet deal in the vast world of sports compared to other leagues. Major league baseball players have gotten it pretty good. They get paid more than any other sport. And and that is why I'm still leaning toward the owners here. I think the players could give up a little more here and we could get a deal. But I think right now there's just a lot of mistrust and there's just a lot of negative energy around this entire situation.
1: Yeah, that's fair. We definitely agree, Jared. This is a bad look, okay? It's definitely a bad look. What I don't know is some of these unknowns, right, Jared? Like, what are the players in the union saying behind closed doors at the actual negotiation table that's not on Twitter, right? And is this bad look, or how much of this bad look is because this is all happening by airing out dirty laundry in public? Right. As opposed to maybe the NHL is having all these same conversations, but they're not on Twitter. So we don't know. Right. And I think there's a little bit of a balance there. For example, we'll turn our attention to the NBA on the other side of the break. There's a ton of, in my opinion, unanswered questions, right? We've heard a proposal. We've heard the idea of maybe they're gonna reseed teams. Maybe they're gonna fast forward to the playoffs. We don't know still about those 18 games. What might the playoff look like? Even things like, will families be allowed in the bubble, right, these are all details where the devil, is still in the details. We'll talk about them in the NBA. We'll compare it a little bit to the Major League Baseball because it seems like Jared thinks that the NBA is in a much better spot. We'll look at it, see, compare and contrast, and uh, we'll see if we actually crown an NBA champion. We'll do that on the other side of the break. It is in-game live giving you the edge. And then, you know, we'll, we'll get down on the field also and get to some X's and O's a little bit later on. Keep it locked. It's here on SportsGrid in-game live.
0: to start listening
1: welcome back in everybody to in-game live right here on sports grid dane and jared we've been talking about the headlines which is really the making of the sausage of how we get back and it seems like in major league baseball we're hearing about it all we're hearing about how the sausage gets made and it's a bad look we can all agree on that let's turn our attention though to the nba because they are also trying to figure out how, when, where they crown a champion, right? So correct me if I'm wrong, Jared, but here's where I think we stand on the NBA, okay? It seems like there's still something of an open question about these last regular season games, but energy is that they're gonna fast forward to the playoffs, although not 100% decided yet. Right. We've heard a moving target also on when to return. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie thought he cracked the code and thought he knew that it was July 15th. Then we heard July 22nd. Now we're hearing it may not be until August where the NBA comes back. We're also getting, Jared, you know, a variety of options for what the playoffs could look like. Right. If you just think, okay, we got the eight in the east, the eight in the west. They play in Vegas. They play in Disney World. That was one proposal. Right. Then we were hearing the idea of, no, let's just take all the teams and reseed them one through 16, which, by the way, would severely compromise my Eastern Conference championship future (laughs) plays. But actually, that's that's a great point. I'll get
4: 100 bucks back from one of the books because I I have an Eastern Conference futures bet on the Nets. I did not even think of that.
1: Well, I kind of want him to play because I like my bets right now. I want it to happen, but I digress. Now we're also hearing a third proposal. It seems like everyone loves the damn idea of group stage and knockout stage from the World Cup because they're thinking about putting all the teams in pots right and having a random draw to figure out these groups i'm also hearing the same idea with the format and include another four teams from the western conference so going down all the way you know to like 9 10 11 and 12 which i believe ironically would get zion williamson in the playoffs ironically would get greg popovich and a blue chip team like the spurs in the playoffs, and ironically, it would also get the Portland Trailblazers and Damian Lillard into the playoffs, and I think that last one is interesting, okay, because in baseball, we've been talking about it, right? As more meat comes on the bone in the plan, players start to speak out, okay? Now, we're hearing more about the plan, and there were versions where the Trailblazers, even though they were ninth in the West, there was a version out there where they gotta play the rest of the regular season, and then that's it. So teams like the Blazers would be done. In essence, would have to quote-unquote play out the string, right? And we've talked about this. Risk of injury for some players, other risks involved. And Damian Lillard came out and said, out in public, kind of like what we're talking about here, listen, if they want me to play, and the Blazers have no shot at the postseason, and ultimately to win the championship, I ain't about it. I ain't risking my ACL on games that don't matter. So I understand it's slightly different, Jared, right? We're not talking about money. We're talking about competitive balance, risk, health, that sort of thing. But you got players out here also saying, eh, this doesn't jive with me. I don't know if I'm down with this. Are you down with Damian Lillard's stance? I'm
4: okay with his stance because I think it's speaking more from a position of health okay. than money, and I never am going to knock a player for making the best decision for their long-term future. Okay. And and it does seem like Lillard's stance is, all right, the Blazers are out of the playoffs. If we only play five games you know, to meet a quota for a, a TV contract, we have no chance of making the playoffs. These games are basically exhibition games. And while I will be there with my team in spirit, on the bench, standing there, side by side, shoulder to shoulder, it doesn't make sense for me in terms of my future to put my body at risk to risk injury playing in games that are meaningless. I understand that, that you know mindset, and it makes sense to me. Damian Lillard, and if you're a Blazers fan – Or if you're a Blazers, you know, shareholder, owner, GM, you don't want Damian Lillard to get hurt in a meaningless preseason game. We've watched preseason games more in the NFL where players have gotten seriously injured in games that mean nothing. And the rhetoric afterwards is, man, I wish he wasn't playing in that meaningless game. So I understand Damian's stance. And this stance is very different than Blake Snell, who doesn't want to play at all because he's not getting paid enough. And and that stance is different. Whereas Damian saying, "He listen, we've already played most of the season. The season's almost over. Now you want me to come back and put my neck on the line for five games that mean nothing." I, I understand that is a very reasonable, logical way of thinking about it. He's a two hundred. I think he on like a two hundred million dollar contract. Why would you want to put your two hundred million dollar asset on the line in five very meaningless games right. for your postseason? Now here's the way you change that is you make those games mean something, and something tells me Damian might be interested in playing if you dangle a chance at the postseason... We, right. I, I mentioned this area. I thought it was interesting. I don't think it's ever going to happen, but I think it's a very outside-the-box idea is you have a play-in tournament for the number one pick instead of the draft lottery. Right. Uh, I think it's certainly less convoluted than whatever draft lottery situation the NHL is going to do. That was like the most confusing part of that presentation with yeah. Gary Bettman. But obviously, there's conflicting factors here. But I, I, I definitely sympathize with Damian. I think it makes sense. I wouldn't want my best player being put at risk for meaningless games. If, if the games mean something, well, that's a different story. Uh, that's a horse of a different color, as they would say. Yeah. Uh, but but but, but if, you, if you put them out on the floor today with just an exhibition type field to satisfy a certain amount of games on TV, I, I agree with Dame, I, I think it makes sense not to
1: play. You know, it's interesting. And uh, my disclaimer is I'm gonna zoom out pretty far here, Jared, okay? okay. But we have said previously, Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, we've had the conversation like, hey, if Manny Machado wants to sign in San Diego, who are we to judge, right? Um, If he, why do we think he's gotta wanna play for a contender? If he wants to be a 26-year-old dude making money in San Diego, live your life, right? Um, And so for me, I bring that up because everybody has their own personal decisions to make, right, Uh and everyone has valid things. You Uh and I are in New York City, all right, Jared, we are in the epicenter of the virus right now. Eventually, you and I are gonna both need to get back on the subway, right? And you and I yes. are in different, right? So you and I are in probably different financial situations, different family situations, different, all sorts of differences, right? The risk is whatever it is, right? The, whatever it is to be out there in the city these days, right? Reasonable people, could disagree on if they want to take that risk or not, okay? In the sports world, right, coming back to playing, there is a risk involved, right? And athletes across the spectrum are gonna decide if that risk is worth it to them. For some people, the, the predominant factor about that risk is gonna be if they're getting paid enough to make it worth it. For someone like Dame Dollar, maybe the risk, you know, is not outweighed because there's no chance at a title. Right. But if there was, for him, that's the linchpin to make the risk worth it right? And so for everybody that's different, we've talked about this already. Players making 30 million versus players making 1.5. Players that are 38-year-old with three kids versus a 23-year-old bachelor that's playing. Everyone will have their own personal calculation the same way you and I may or may not get on the damn five train because of that. And I understand that uh, competitive spirit versus money versus health reasonable people can disagree. Every single person, whether you're in the union or not, whether you're just an employee or not, you're going to have to make that decision on if the risk is worth it on some level. And so I'm really interested to see, because you're right, we haven't heard as much uh, negativity in the NBA, right? You had all the all-stars come together, and we're like, yeah, we want to play, right? But then we heard that that represented about 75% of players, we'll see. These owners, we haven't heard them talking much about the financial impact of not playing the remaining, call it 20 regular season games. You think they're just like, eh, oh well, probably not. We're just not hearing about it, right? Uh, In the same way that the owners and the players are going back and forth very publicly. So I do think it's interesting, and I think reasonable people can feel however they want about the risk. But as it comes down, let me ask you, from strict X's and O's, which one do you like best, bro? The one through 16? The idea of, you know, calling it, like, the World Cup draw, or just keeping the conferences so I can keep my damn futures bets in the Eastern Conference. Which one do you like, and which one do you think, Will ultimately happen. I like the idea of giving
4: more teams an opportunity to play in. Okay. I think in the NBA, it's I don't want to say meaningless, but I think in the NBA, there's not as much of a of a chance of a team like a 12 seed making it up and catching. It's just it's just so rare that we see the upsets in the NBA. Whereas in hockey. They happen all the time. I mean, we Mm. you know, last year we saw the the best team in the entire league lose in the first round.
1: I had minus 300. Don't remind me.
4: (laughs) I'm sorry to bring up sleeping. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think what we're going to see is I think we're going to see, and, you know, you can thank Gary Bettman for this, but we live in a world of one-up. And NHL and NBA, they've always been kind of big bro, little bro. They play their seasons around the same time. They kind of pull from the same TV pot whereas the NBC dollars that used to be right. in the NBA are now in the NHL and the ESPN dollars that used to be in the NHL are now in the NBA. So they're kind of all pulling from each other's you know, purse strings a little bit. Obviously, the NBA is the bigger brother here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Adam Silver, seeing what his little brother just did, is going to have to one-up it. You know, right. And I know that sounds bad, but you know, that's kind of the society that we live in. And I, I do think he's going to want to make a splash, which means we're going to see some changes. So, what I don't think is gonna happen is I don't think we're gonna see anything traditional. I think it's gonna be very different than what we're used to seeing. I think one through sixteen is a is a reasonable amount of change for the old school fan to palette yeah. while the new school fan gets a, a different look. And I think that is is the nice middle ground there. Could Adam take it a step further and make it one through twenty four? Maybe. I could see a world where that happens. But I think 1-16 through is the baseline amount of change that we're going to get. And I think it sets up the possibility for an all-LA final, which is, I mean, what else could you ask for? You're going to have 20,000 people in the stands for an Ohio State football game come September 5th. Why not have 20,000 people at Staples Center in September for the finals? Uh, I, I don't I don't see a difference there between those two things. but again i'm I'm a reasonable person. I think some people in California uh, have been a little bit unreasonable throughout some of these things, especially the politicians. But overall, I think we're gonna see some change. I, I do think we're gonna see some change. It's just a
1: matter of how much change. Yeah, and it's the issue. Like right? I, I can answer almost anything you say with, We don't know. (laughs) And that's kind of where we are. There's another detail about the NBA I want to get your thoughts on. And then we'll turn our attention to, as you describe, the little bro. They're out in front with their plan. We go through that one when we come back. What will the NHL look like to crown a Stanley Cup champion? We'll discuss that as we finish up our number one here on In Game Live. We put the fun and functional sports content. Dane and Jared will be here. Hope you will be, too. Come on back after this. Welcome back everybody to In Game Live here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge, comparing it say to the little brother NHL, which we'll talk more about, comparing it to the kind of airing of grievances and dirty laundry in Major League Baseball. Shout out to Festivus, uh, Mr. Stiller, rest in peace. I got but-
4: problems with all of you and I'm gonna hear, you're gonna hear
1: about it. <laughs> Absolutely, and it sounds like that's what Major League Baseball is doing. Yeah, right? it does but actually. Another element of this NBA plan that I thought was interesting, I gotta get your thoughts on it, Jared, is family members right family members will also kind of be allowed in the bubble if they of course test test negative continue to test all that stuff to me man that's another that's another monkey wrench that if I'm a player I don't know how I feel about it honestly jared and when you think about all the players in the league I guarantee MT they're gonna feel differently about it when you when you think about it, right? So cool, you may have the some family members be able to be inside the bubble. What do you think about this, Jared? What if one of the family members gets sick? What if this compromises the amount of testing that they can have and then out for the public? I mean, I, I don't know how I feel about this. I understand the idea of comfort for the players, but I don't know if I would wanna subject my kids or wife to the same kind of risk that we're talking about here.
4: I, I do agree with you on this one. I, I do think uh, this was a concession that mm. was made by the owners that said. And Listen, it's interesting that we didn't hear boo about it back and forth then, right? No. And and again, that's and and it's funny because you know we do the morning after every day. We only do this show two days a week, so it's it. it, it I feel like I have the same like argument with myself in my head while Ariel's teeing me up for whatever question right. she's asking me for because. Everything that we've heard from and again, we can talk about the NHL, which we will. We can talk about the NBA, which we are now. And then we, and then for some reason, and it's not for some reason. It's an obvious reason because our brain will always take us back to the most logical solution. It, it always compares back to what we're not hearing in other sports compared to what we are hearing about in Major League Baseball. But just because we don't hear it doesn't That's mean it's not. But bad. that, but I think that is the fundamental reason, and it's and it, and that brings us to another whole strand of topics, which is. Negotiating 101. There was this great movie with Samuel Jackson and I believe Kevin Spacey called the Negotiator. Ah yes. And and, and Kevin was you know the negotiators that are always like, like situations though. Yeah right? exactly exactly like it's always like this really weird section of the police force where they're more psychologists than cops you know mm-hmm. and and as psychologists it, there is a gambling aspect to psychology and to negotiating because you're trying to know what you're willing to give in this case risk and what you're getting back. So the owners probably made a decision. They're like, you know what? We can take a little more risk with the testing and opening up the players to other people because maybe it'll keep them quiet and give them, a, you know, it, it, where where do we give, where do we negotiate, and where, where are we willing to kind of bend a little bit to keep the train sure. moving towards having a season? Whereas on the other side of the coin, it, It doesn't. We're not hearing about any of those concessions being made on either side. All we're hearing about is money, 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 Mm money. Which, as the average American who's not making a lot of money, 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 it's a very, it's a, it's a nauseating way of thinking about what's happening in Major League Baseball. Whereas in the NBA, if the main concern is, man, these guys really want to be with their families, can we figure out a way to get their, yeah, yes, oh my God, yes, let's, you know, we're all about family now. We're all so. That's the part that is really troubling to me. Major League Baseball has that in their arsenal. Mm -hmm. They can make the argument about, about family and about testing and about safety, but they're choosing to make the money side the more public thing here. Whereas you're right. There are definitely discussions going on. Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, every sport is having economic discussions. But why are we only hearing about the economics of Major League Baseball? We're not hearing about – you know why? All of these things are happening. People are mm-hmm. dying. Families are breaking up. And you're squabbling over a few pennies. I know it's more than a few pennies, but right. I was trying to hammer home the the theme of no, the day. Money, money, I agree money. with you. And we're all about money here. But it, it, it's, just, it's just such a different – look, it, reasonable people can come together and say, hey, we know. You want to be with your families. Let's figure out a way to – to make it work. Whereas on the other side of the coin, it's hard to to sympathize with two entities that are just batting their heads about money. Yeah, It's just like, you know, figure it out guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. For me, Jared, you know, it's almost like, and again, that's why I use the analogy of the sausage being made and we're seeing the sausage get made, right? None of these leagues have signed complete, comprehensive, total agreements yet. None of them do, the NBA doesn't. MLS doesn't, Major League Baseball doesn't, right? And so I could almost say, yeah, it sounds more harmonious in the NBA, but I could also be like, I ain't believe in Jack until a full proposal is done and signed, you know? And we'll see what that looks like, when and if all of them get to there. It is interesting, the idea about the families in the NBA. I do want to turn our attention, Jared, to what you just described as the little brother. Okay, because I think this is interesting. I think this is cool on some level, and then there's going to be some details that I want to press you about, all right? So what we heard is that it looks like 24 teams will make the playoffs in the NHL instead of the normal 16, right? So 12 aside, they're going to have the top four kind of get a bye, right? And then five through 12, when in essence be your first round series with the winners of those getting into like what will be the first round with it being eight and eight, okay? I also find it interesting, we had George Kurtz on, on the early line, early, and you know, similar to how I just mentioned with the NBA proposal, and oh, they'd get Zion in, what a coincidence. Oh, they'd get Damian in, what a coincidence. George Kurtz was quick to point out that by expanding this field, What do you know? You get another three of the original six franchises into the draw, which moves the needle for the NHL. You would get the New York Rangers in as the 11th seed. They would not have been there. You'd get the Chicago Blackhawks in, who would not have been there. And then you talk about the standard bearer, you would get the Montreal Canadiens in there in this environment when they wouldn't otherwise. So, you know... It's some different, but some similar as well. Your knee-jerk reaction. You like seeing this?
4: Yes. I I think the NHL plan rings true. I think it's the perfect amount of reform mixed with the original playoff format. So nothing's really changing with their playoff format, Dane. They're having best of seven quarterfinals, best of seven semifinals, best of seven conference finals best of 7 Stanley Cup finals. Nothing different there. That's the same. The only thing that's changing is the ridiculous draft lottery things, which right. at the end of the day is not like no one's going to no one's going to, you know, lose their lunch over the draft lottery changing. But the qualifying round is really the only thing that's changing here. And mm-hmm. at this point in the the regular season, I think it's safe to say that the teams that are in the qualifying round are all teams that are still kind of were on the fence about making the playoffs. You probably can make the case that probably seeds five and six were right. probably safe. Would have been more safe, yeah. But, you know, I, I mean, you know, we're really splitting hairs if you're like, man, well, six and seven were this and that. I, I think we, we have to work in some kind of general sense here when we're advancing from <laughs> one season to the next without a full definite conclusion. I think it's unfortunate for the teams in the top four because they're not going to get the full advantage of home ice like right. they should get. And that
1: we talked about that in the NBA also,
4: right? Yeah, the and, and that's, and that's unfortunate, but every team's on the same level playing field. So right. as where the home teams aren't going to get four home games, well, the road teams are, you know, the, the, the lower seed won't get their three home games. So right. they won't have the advantage of their home ice. And you know, better than me, and you know, better than anyone, the, the building you play in in the NHL is, is a huge difference. The one advantage that the home team will still get that can be understated sometimes in hockey is the is the is the last change. And like last a B in baseball, the home team in hockey does get the last change, which is statistically important. It's a small understated advantage, but it is still an advantage. So the home teams, the top four will still get that. I really like the playing for seeding. I think that gives those top four
1: Among teams, the top four.
4: Yeah, I like that. It gives them, because that was the whole issue with this. You have five versus 12, six versus 11. Mm-hmm. Well, The top four is kind of sitting on their hands.
1: They need and a runway it, also. They yes. need to get a game shape.
4: And they're also important games because you want to be one. You don't want to be four. And I know yeah. it's not as important, but I would rather be one than four. I tell you that. Uh, and, and so overall, I think they got the mechanism right. The parts that are unfortunate, Alex Ovechkin, who's going for his ninth 50-goal regular season, mm. well, he's not going to get that chance. It's right. going to be tough circumstances. Another thing that's tough, too, teams with really big stars, I mm-hmm. don't think the star power is going to be as you know prominent in hockey as it will be in the NBA because the hockey game relies so much on team cohesion, oh. and the stars usually – take advantage of the role players who set them up. And unless we get to a point where there's a lot of game, maybe towards the end of the postseason, they will become more prominent. But my guess is at the beginning of this, which is why I love some of these underdogs early, I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, just grittiness kind of will you through these first few games whereas the polish you know hockey can be such a such an ice dance sometimes right. you might not get that polish from those you know really star players you know the the, the yeah, sure. you know the Connor McDavids and the Sidney right. Crosby types until they get Later their on. own ramp up so it might be a little gritty early it might be a little tough to watch it might have a lot of unders uh, but overall i think they got the mechanism right I think the amount of games rings true. And I think the expansion is just enough to give us another taste and to let those teams that were kind of on the outside have a chance to take their bite at the apple.
1: All right, fair enough. And, you know, in other sports, for example, we talked about, like, Ben Simmons would be back. James Paxton would be back in baseball. And this remains in hockey also. Kurtz was talking about, like, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane would be ready to go for the yeah. Chicago Blackhawks, where they would not if this was Chris two Kreider months ago. Go. So you for- got to think about East that. for the rain. As well, absolutely, there's plenty of examples. Uh, we're coming up on the end of hour one, we're going to keep up this conversation going into hour two. I gotta tell you two elements of this, and I'll set you up, we'll talk about it on the other side of the break. One, and Kurt's made this point, and I agree, you know, the idea though in hockey, Jared, of the quote unquote hot goalie. I think can be really interesting here, specifically if you look at a team like the Montreal Canadiens who all of a sudden get in in the finals, you know, seed, but they got price and who can absolutely get hot and then, you know, take them pretty far. The other thing I'm going to ask you to think about, okay? unlike all these other sports. Remember, I started out in one talking about homeland security. Athletes can come in. You said only 17 percent of them. What about the fact, though, here that in the NHL, we've talked about local governments, state governments. What about in the NHL? It's going to be probably a collaboration between two countries' mm. governments on a number of levels. We'll talk about that. And if. There's some details to figure out on that one as well. We take a look at the NHL's return to play plan, the 2014 playoff, and then we give you some fantasy look at the second base position in hour number two as well. All that and more. We got UFC leans. Big hour two. Stay right there. Come on back in game live. We'll be back for hour number two right after this.